My name is uh, Pastor Jesse. I'm a friend of the family, and uh, I was a good friend of Devin. And we are gathered here today, this afternoon, to remember a friend, to remember a loved one, to remember a family member, Devin Dunkley. And we're going to begin by asking Abby Napora to come up and read the eulogy. Good afternoon, everyone. I, uh, I had the challenging job of gathering data on, on Devin and trying to synthesize his life, and I guess I don't even know why I'm honored to be the one doing this. I think they picked me mainly for my accent. So, But how do you capture the life of a young man who was so dynamic, so gregarious, so infuriating, and so likable. And uh, I hope that as I read this eulogy to you today that you'll find yourself in between the storyline of this eulogy as we remember Devon. Devon Richard Dunkley was born on April 1st, 1998 in New Westminster. At six pounds and 24 inches, his ultra-sleek Form scared his mom. Rhonda, of course, she's pretty short, uh, described him to be alien-like, especially when he stretched out. Devin kept his slender and sleek form as he grew. His mom described his birth to be early and fast. These words would be predictors of how Devin lived. One day, when he was seven months old, he got up and started to run. He needed to wear a helmet so that he could be kept safe. Rhonda says that he only really stopped when something stopped him. She describes him as an ultra-sweet boy who was known to comfort distressed children in his daycare. Rhonda and Devin shared a rich relationship. He would talk about anything, make up songs as they drove together and chatted nonstop. She often said, would say, like, Devin, speak to the hand, get him to quieten down. He was affectionate, kind, caring, cooperative until puberty. Devin's dad, Rob, held Devin when he was just six minutes old. He had a distinct memory of the joy he felt watching Devin respond to being in the world as he stretched and struggled to adapt to his new environment. Rob would have minimal contact with Devin until puberty. Devin met his father, Scott, when he was four years old. It was Christmas time, and Devin insisted that Scott stay and help him decorate. Scott describes falling in love with Devin. Their relationship would be marked by playing soccer for hours, watching movies, and cuddling. Scott and Devin spent many hours after school on Saturdays skating and playing at pickup games at the outdoor rinks in Brandon, Manitoba. They spent as many hours in restaurants and eating poutine and drinking chocolate milkshakes, talking about anything. Scott describes Devin to be an encourager. Devin reached out in a special way a few years ago when Scott lost his job and Devin offered to read the Bible and pray with him 
because he knew this would bring Scott comfort. Rhonda recalls Devin's curiosity with Scott's faith and how Scott seemed to be happier each time he came home. Scott would have the privilege of introducing Devin to faith. Their relationship remained strong until puberty. Devin was eight years old when his sister Kali was born. He insisted on being a midwife's assistant. Again, it spoke to who Devin was. Rhonda said he was right down there with the midwife assisting. He was very unconventional. When his parents struggled to uh, name his sister, Devin saved the day and suggested Kali. Devin changed Kali's diapers and watched over her. They shared a special bond over the years. Now, though Devin did not assist with his brother Noah's birth, he was thrilled to have a brother and spent as much time with him as he could. Devin's school career started at the Nelson Christian School from kindergarten to grade one. It was here that Devin would develop his charm skills. During fundraising events, Devin would go door to door with his sales items dressed in a suit. This made him irresistible and caused him to always seal the deal. This made him um, irresistible. He moved to Manitoba and attended the Heritage Christian School from grade two to four. They returned to Nelson as a family, and Devon resumed his relationship with the Nelson Christian School until grade six. Homeschooling in grade seven proved to be a bust for all parties involved, Devon and parents alike. He returned to school this time to the Stanley Humphreys for his grade eight to ten years. These would prove to be the most challenging and alienating years of meaningful relationships as Devon grappled with the privilege of discovering his freedom and being responsible for it. He would reach out in these years to know his dad, Rob, and find connection with him. Distance and other factors would hinder their relationship. Devon relied on the friendships he made, many of whom were struggling with puberty and grappling with their identity as well. Those were difficult and tumultuous years, and yet his mom recalls, though Devon consistently challenged the boundaries, he always knew when he had crossed the line. He would apologize for hurting her and envelop her in a big bear hug that would swallow up her small frame. Soccer was a meaningful outlet for Devon during these days. His team, the Kootenai South Bighorns, offered belonging and encouragement for Devon and would anchor and focus him. Those soccer trips became those moments and times where his relationship with Rhonda, his mom, deepened and they would bond. They shared a lot of tomfooleries. Apparently, they got up to a lot of mischief together. Devon regained his balance and completed his grade 11 and 12 years at Mount Sentinel. He took the ACIT program in carpentry and his graduation was celebrated by his parents, siblings, grandparents, and extended family this past June. Devon started working when he was eight years old. He delivered papers for many years. His parents were committed to teaching him good work ethic. He was enrolled 
through the Dig Through School Program, he often interpreted it, this to be supporting child cheap labor. He flirted with McDonald's twice. On both occasions, Devin quit the relationship. He eventually worked at Canadian Tire and most recently in construction. It was a job where he would utilize the training in carpentry and life would start to take shape for him. Devin's friends meant a lot to him. Colby affectionately describes him to have a stupid, sensitive personality, always getting up to shenanigans. Devin seemed to know exactly how and when to show up for his friends, especially when they were struggling. He knew how to cheer them up. He was goofy and would not let up until he had them smiling. They recall feeling unconditionally loved and accepted by him. He was non-judgmental and always available to listen. He defended those picked on in school and challenged those who were insensitive. He was more than a friend to many. He was a brother. A few months ago, Devon tracked down his childhood friend, Philip Campbell, on Facebook. They were rambunctious eight-year-olds on their own, and together they were quite a show. They enjoyed skating and outdoor explorations, sometimes straying further than they needed to go. Devon and Philip shared a brotherhood which would lead them to share their lives and their families. Lori, Philip's dad, fondly remembers babysitting the two very energetic boys and recalls how much they loved and cared for each other. Devon and Anne were friends for two years before their friendship grew into a deep and abiding love. Anne anchored Devon and brought Devon back to, the to his authentic, softer self. Though misunderstood by many, Anne got Devon, and Devon got Anne. It was not uncommon for Devon to cook and clean for Anne so she could focus on her schooling. His love and respect for her was obvious to his parents. Anne's parents would grow to love Devon, especially for the way he loved and honored their daughter. Devon would become a meaningful part of their lives. Devon will be missed by many for many reasons. His parents will remember him as the loving, affectionate, and encouraging boy who took pleasure in playing with their earlobes when cuddling, as well as his big, affectionate hugs. His siblings will remember him being funny, caring, and protective of them. His friends recall his loyal love and stubbornness that got him in trouble and irritated them. But that same stubbornness would keep showing up in their friendship. Anne will remember the safe and loving acceptance that she found in Devon. Devon is remembered with great joy and sadness by his grandma Susan McQueen and Grandpa Rick Tondu, Grandma and Grandpa Harry and Anna Martins, and Grandma and Grandpa Rick and Pat James. The ache of his loss is felt deeply by his parents. Rhonda and Martin, Rhonda and Scott Martins, his dad Rob James, and his loving siblings, Carly and Noah. Devon's uncles, aunts, and cousins feel his loss deeply, having fond memories of watching him grow and evolve. His presence will be missed by his church family and friends who supported him through the highs and the lows of his journey. In closing, the words of Devon's closest friend, Colby, 
The lesson I learned from Devon is to live, learn, and move on. And the words of his mom, whom Devon loved deeply, the world is quieter today, but I suspect that heaven just got a bit rowdy. <laughs> Skinny jeans will never look the same on anyone else.
One of the hardest things that a minister can do is to take off one hat, that being a minister, and put on a family hat. Or in my case, a grandfather's cap. When I do funerals at home, I am in charge. I plan the service. I do the songs. I plan the scriptures. And in a sense, my role today is almost tearing me apart. it is with his parents and his grandparents and all who have taken time out today to be here tell by the numbers of people in this room how much he was loved and respected thank you thank you for the influence that you've given to Devin thank you Rhonda and Scott and both of your children and both sets of, of grandparents Thank you for the influence that you had on Devin in his growing years. Rob, you also had a very strong part in his, in, in his growing years. You kept in touch with him as much as you were able to because of your living so far away from him through phone calls, through phone chats, through just visits when you were able. The love that you showered upon him never once ever wavered from all of you. I said to Devin one day, several years ago that I thought he was one of the luckiest boys in the, around. He questioned me on it and said, well, why? Why, what do you, why do you say that? And I said, because first of all, you've got a mom that loves you deeply. You also have two dads that care for you very, very much. You also have three sets of grandparents. Not too many kids can say they have three sets of grandparents that are fortunate enough to love such a very special young man. I've chosen a verse from the scripture of John because for me it gives me hope that in this, when it is our turn to transition from this life to the next, I know that there is a promise from God that I need to keep me going at all times. And the scripture is from the book of John. Chapter 14, verses 1 to 7. Don't let your hearts be troubled, God says. Pardon me, Jesus says. Trust in God. And also, he says, trust in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If it were not so, I would have told you so, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will know where I am, and you will know the way know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, said Thomas. We have no idea where you are going or how it is that we are going to be able to know the way. Jesus looked at him, and I can only imagine the look on his face, kind of perplexed a little bit because by this time, he'd been with him for what, two or three years. He said, Thomas, you know the way. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you really had known me, you would have known who, I, who my Father is. And from now on, you will, you will know him and you have seen him. I'd like to offer a small prayer, please. 
God, you have given us such a warm promise in this scripture. You have promised us a home when we leave this body here on earth. There are those here who, here who want to blame you for the death of Devon. Why did he have to leave? God, why? there is no better place for him anywhere than to be here with us. Why did you take him? Today, your hearts are broken, not only for the families of Devon, but also for his many friends that have come here today. And it is, again, obvious by the numbers here that he influenced many of us, not only his peers, but adults around him also. Thank you, God, for the person who brought us so much joy, so much love, and so much concern for everyone that he came in contact with. Today, I ask for your shalom, your form of peace on us. We are grieving, we are angry, we are hurt like we've never been hurt before. We want to blame you for taking Devon away from us. And it is through this, God, that I ask for a special blessing this day upon this congregation, that the hurts, the blames may someday be reduced to a form that we will be able to work our way through. We may never understand the whys, and maybe we're not supposed to at this time. But we understand love, and Devin showed us all the art of special love. Thank you, God. Thank you. Feel free to uh, join along as we sing Amazing Grace.
This time I'd like to invite up Father Rob and Aunt Shauna forward, please. I'd like to thank everyone for loving Devin. I always thought that I would have kind of a speech like this at his wedding. And um, it kills me that, that that's not why we're here. I am so jealous of the angels right now because but I have been blessed to have an amazing boy to call my son. David would not want us to weigh ourselves with pain. We are here to celebrate the joy, the life, and the spirit he showed each of us and every person that he came in contact with. We really had so much fun when we were together because Rhonda and Scott had the hardest job in the world, and that was to raise our son. Time with me was more like a vacation. A week ago, remembering all the times we shared was such joy, and now feeling those same stories, leaving unmeasurable pain. The joy I felt when he was so little, I held him when he was six minutes old. Bawling my eyes out, singing him happy birthday was the single greatest moment of my life. His sweet crying crew mixed with a giggle was more than perfect and beautiful. Devin was like that his whole life. When he struggled with, with life, he'd cry out. When things were even and he was doing well, he'd make everyone around him feel better. But when he was great... He filled our hearts with incredible laughter and joy. A few of my memories of times we shared taking Devin to the Vancouver Zoo, one I'll never forget. He hated that damn goat that knocked his arm and resulted in his bag of popcorn and the goat gobbled it all up. The train ride right after kind of lifted his spirits. The best memory I have of that day was watching my dad about 30 yards ahead of us with his hands just sauntering behind his back and looking up to his papa with his hands crossed behind his back, just begging to be just like him. I think my favorite time with Devin was when it was just him and I camping here in Robson at Syringa. He loved being outdoors. I picked him up. He was so excited to spend the whole week with just his dad. We didn't go very far to find our perfect oasis 
to just be together. It was the most special week of both our lives. We rode our bikes through the trails. We ate like kings. Campfires every night and tickle time every morning. His laughter filled our sanctuary and it was perfect. His last visit was really special when he came down to Florida for about a week. I had a pallet project that I needed some help with. I had him running the saws all tearing apart about 30 pallets. <clears throat> so we could build a really cool set of bookcases. We were in the backyard for three days putting these things together. He did so well. He asked so many questions about all kinds of work I did. The pride that we felt when we delivered these bookcases to my clients and the response we received from them was so rewarding. It's my favorite project I've ever done because I was able to share it with my son. I was so proud when he decided to go, and to, go to carpentry school. I loved our conversations about what he was learning and how excited he was about going to school. And that was definitely a first. Over the past four months, I saw so much growth from Devin. He loved his new job. He loved sharing with me all the different projects he was working on. He took so much pride in everything he was doing. I think it was a beautiful set of circumstances that all came together at the perfect time. He found the love of a beautiful young lady. He wanted more of himself, expected more, and became motivated to be a better man. I give Anne so much credit and love for being an amazing influence. He found joy in what he was doing and where he was in his life. For the first time, he was focused on a plan for the future. Understanding how or why, what could I have done to keep him safe? will haunt me forever. But knowing he picked Rhonda and I to be his parents humbles me. Devin blessed my life and has helped me to be the man I am today. My heart is broken and I know that he lives there now. Just like he will live in the hearts of every person he touched. Thank you, my son. I love you up to the sky. I'm absolutely honored to be in the presence of everybody here. In my eyes, Devin never did anything wrong, but I was Auntie Shauna, so I don't, I don't believe a word of it that anybody could ever say to me. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, after he was born and, and uh, we lived with Rhonda and and Devin and, and <laughs> my uh, one of my memories of that I was telling Rhonda the other day was he would crawl into our room and, and would always for some reason he had to crawl on, on, on my head and he did one morning and I'm like what the heck Devin your diaper <laughs> I had poop all over me and I'm like oh thanks sweetheart I love you <laughs> and you know in those those early times where you know I remember in the middle of the winter and well Vancouver winter um, <laughs> much different you know just 
packing them up and putting them in our, our carry case and say, hey, we're going downtown Vancouver. And you're coming with us because we just didn't want to stay in the house any longer. And, uh, you know, just to see him and to hold him and to love him was amazing. Then I had my oldest son. And seeing the two of them together was was quite ironic where you have, you know, Devin was, he was quite awkward. And um, <laughs> there's really no other way of politely putting it. He, he didn't fully get the athletic gene in him. <laughs> and, you know, I, I remember Dell had actually just gone to Toronto and, and Devin was, was up with Rob and we were running down a sidewalk and it was a big sidewalk and, and somehow Devin hit a telephone pole and just ran right into it. I'm like, oh, wow. Huh. <laughs> All right, buddy, come on. Don't worry. Auntie still loves you. You're still perfect. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, there were times where, no, I mean, we didn't speak to him for, for quite some time. And, and But when we were, when I was with Devin and when my children got to spend time with him um, in Sylvan Lake when he came out after Christmas and, and you know, you have Del and, and Devin just running and, and Del just told me a, a story a little bit ago that just broke my heart that he said, you know, when he was in elementary school, I did not know this until recently and I'm glad I just found out, um, that he was being bullied by some kids at school and he told cousin Devin and it is his wise old wisdom of being a year and a half older than, <laughs> than Dell. He said, well, next time they do it, just kick him in the nuts. <laughs> and then they won't do that anymore. And, you know, Kalia being able to spend the time with, you know, her cousin who she had convinced herself she was going to marry. And I had to tell her that we're not allowed to do those things. <laughs> and, you know, I mean... When we spent that time with him in Sylvan Lake, I know, I mean, Del, Del was real little and he just had to look up to his cousin Devin, had to look up to his cousin Devin. And, and we were planning, and I, mean, I know I'd been sending some slight information to have Devin come and spend Christmas with us. And Del was so excited because, you know what, big cousin Devin was going to have to look up at him. And every time we Snapchatted, I always started with, what up, punk? How you doing? I always get Auntie Shauna. Hi, Auntie Shauna. I'd wake up in the morning and I would have 17 Snapchats. And it would just be Auntie, Auntie. Hi, Auntie Shauna. Auntie Shauna, are you there? Auntie Shauna. I'm like, oh, Lord, child. Do you not have something to do? <laughs> and, I mean, uh, there's a hole in our hearts. Every single one of us in this room right now but seeing every single one of us in this room right now, we each can fill the hole a little bit. We will never be able to replace my perfect Dev Dev. We will never be able to truly make him understand how much he was unconditionally loved. And the only way that we can do that is by loving each other, holding each other up, and as I said to my kids, we don't get to use him as an excuse. 
we get to use him as a reason to do and to be everything that we want to be. As a mother, I cannot imagine at all what you're feeling, Rhonda. I know in my heart, selfishly, my solace is that he got to speak to you in the morning and he was driving to something that he loved. And if there's a wish that anybody could have for anybody is to know that their child was going to the world that they loved. And he got there. And for my son, Dev got you on one, because you'll always have to look up to him and do it with pride and honor. We all can see the resemblance of uh, Devin and Rob, and I think Devin would have looked uh, just like you when he got older. Thanks for sharing. I'm going to uh, invite up Mark Clan, who is a friend of the family and uh, one of his teachers. Hi. <coughs> Hello, everyone. So, yeah, my name is Mark. Um, wow, wonderful to see everyone here today. Um, feel really honored to be uh, asked to just share some, some memories about Devin. Um, I was Devin's grade six teacher. So my first year uh, at the Nelson Christian School, uh, I taught him in grade six. And uh, I was thinking back this week, uh, what story should I share about Devin? You know, a lot of people have mentioned he's, uh, you know, kind of grew into that cool customer, good sense of humor, and pretty laid back. And all those things were true except when it came to hockey. <laughs> so I'll set it up here for you. So um, back at the school there, back when he was in grade six, hockey was like the, the game. You know, all the boys and you know, some of the girls, they all wanted to play hockey. So come about this time of the year, November, uh, the street hockey, the nets were dragged out and uh, the, the sticks were brought out, the puck and the ball or whatever, and they just played. They played all in November. They played all of December. They played January through the snow and the ice. And then usually by about the middle or the end of February, some of them started to get a little bit restless with the hockey, but except for Devin. So what usually ensued is that the, uh, the hockey game would turn into maybe uh, hockey soccer or it maybe would even turn into hockey rugby. And at that point... The other guys were okay with that, except for Devin. He was always, Mr. Clan, the guys are wrecking the game. Stop it. Help out. Help out. And that, that happened. That was my memory. More than a couple times, he, he just loved, loved playing hockey. And he, he was always frustrated when the guys weren't playing it properly. So uh, that was I don't know, kind of a funny, funny memory um, of, of Devin. And you know, I think that just speaks to, I don't know, maybe just that sense of loyalty or that sense of... Uh, being committed to, to, to something. or um, And the other memory, I just remember, even him being, you know, 11 years old, grade six, is he really, really loved his little brother and his little sister. I just remember them, him, uh, you know, talking about them all the time or, or writing stories, things like that, and he would, he would want to share about what Carly and what, uh, what Nora were doing. 
even when he was back in uh, back in grade six, and that was just such a cool thing to see uh, from an older brother. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, it's one of the things I remember of Devin as well. He really loved you, Carly and Noah. Talked about you guys a lot. I'm going to invite up Glenn Campbell, principal of Mount Sentinel. Thank you, Jesse. Good afternoon, everyone. Again, uh, for me too, it's uh, an honor and a privilege to be able to have this opportunity to say a few words uh, about Devin. For those that don't know me, yes, I'm Glenn Campbell, and I am Devin's favorite principal <laughs> at Puberty High School, <laughs> sometimes known as Mount Sentinel. Um, first and foremost, I definitely want to express our deepest, sincere, heartfelt condolences to the family, um, obviously all the friends. Um, tough day for all of us. Um, but in particular, I do want to say a few words to you too, Rhonda, as the mom, who I want to point out I think is a real champion in terms of a parent and what is right with today's parents in terms of supporting their kids in a place called Puberty High. As we know, very challenging. Um, Rhonda, too, is also a very important part of our school community. Um, I think in terms of our community here at large, in terms of your volunteer work with our breakfast program and serving lunch here for all of our students, um, every Thursday, and you're such a warm person, um, and I want you to know that you do come back for the food, but it's really your smile that brings us back, and that smile is very evident in your son, and was very evident in your son. So when we heard the tragic news, the loss of Devin, um, definite shock, um, definite sadness in our school. Um, it's still there, and I imagine it will be there uh, for a while. Definitely evident to, to myself and to our staff that Devin had touched a lot of us in very positive ways and really as we can see here today, that's, that's pretty evident by our turnout. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, partly what we're doing here today or trying to do uh, in this sadness is to celebrate him and to celebrate his life. And so when I think of the wonderful world of the dunk, I know we'll all remember, remember him in our own ways, but uh, my memories of him um, will be of his cheery disposition, for sure. And that always seemed to be regardless of his current circumstance. Um, and wherever we needed to find the dunk, I knew the place to go. It was the gym even though it said on a schedule it was English class. <laughs> I would go to the gym first, and lo and behold, there's the dunk. On his way somewhere. 
But whatever it was, um, no matter the news, Devin always said, yeah, true that, Mr. Campbell. I gotta pick up my game, which again was code for, you'll find me in the gym later. And he always had that smile. He always seemed to be resolute in the fact that everything's going to be okay and everything's going to sort of work itself out. And again, I think we're hearing that today, and I think that's the part that I want people to have stick with them, that enthusiasm, um, that energy, that feeling that everything's going to be okay. And it all starts with that great smile and he had a fantastic smile I could never get mad at the kid that's our secret though right <laughs> again I would like to thank the family on behalf of our staff and our community for this opportunity to pay our respects here today um, and hopefully we can all return to our lives tomorrow feeling a little better than today, comfortable and rich with the knowledge that Devin's joyous spirit does remain with us. I like that piece around we can all fill the hole with parts of ourselves. And finally, again, I want to thank Devin's family, in particular Rhonda, for bringing Devin to Mount Sentinel and enrolling him in our school two years ago. It has been true. A tremendous pleasure getting to know that young man. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, speaking of the gym, there's another guy who loves the gym, John. Whoa, a lot of people up here. Um, love is patient, love is kind does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs, love does not delight in evil but rejoice, rejoices with truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Devin was a kid who made Everybody feel like somebody. If you talk to Devin, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm lucky I met him. Um, anyways, we'll switch it up a bit. I, uh, I had the honor to, of spending time with Devin um, at, a, at a camp one year with his beautiful mother and uh, Mrs. Lurch, who I'm always going to call Mrs. Lurch. Um, and uh, I think I hauled out groceries in my truck and uh, he was out there. I think it was a little reluctant um, that he didn't want to be there, but I was like, he's like, oh, John will be there. So <laughs> I was like, yes, Devin's here. This is going to, this, this will be all right. So every cabin had two leaders, except mine. I got Devin. So I got like six campers and Devin. So <laughs> I was like, all right, it, it's fine. Like your kitchen help. You, you just do and you go to the flow with whatever you're feeling. He's like, all right, this, this is cool. So um, we have a bunch of kids. They're like seven or eight years old. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, why did I sign up for this? 
Devin's laughing. He's like, uh, I'm not helping. I'm going to help at the kitchen. I'm like, no, come back. So anyways, one day, uh, distinctly, I think we had free time. So we went on a hike. It was out toward Pebble Beach, if anyone's been to the Dutch Harbor camp. And so we go out there. We got out there. We're coming back. And uh, all the Devin is leading the pack because the kid runs fast. Um, so I'm just, like, making sure, like, the kids don't straggle and fall into the water and stuff like that. So I'm like, Devin, you got to hold up, dude. And, like, I can't keep up. Neither can these eight-year-old. But it was me. So I'm like, slow down. So we sat down. And uh, I'm like, how's everyone feeling? You guys all right? Because, you know, you get blisters and stuff like that. And uh, Devin literally sits right on a stump. And I'm like, so he's just like, yeah, hurry up, guys. Let's, let's do this. And um, I think it was Andrew Dickieson. Um, he came up and started kicking the stump. And the stump had a massive wasp nest in it. Like, it was huge. And, like, all the hornets came, like, hornets or wasps or something like that. They all started stinging. They stung all of us except Devin. And Devin is like, what are you guys, like, all the, so I have six or seven campers. They're all crying. And I'm like, what? And Devin's like, what should we do? I'm like, probably run. He's like, okay. So I'm like, everyone follow Devin. I think I had to pick up one of the campers because they didn't want to run. I was like, you better use your legs. Um, so we run back, and uh, I'm, I, like, my anxiety is out of the roof. I'm like, sick, okay. I'm a, a counselor. Now I've just got, like, all, what if these kids are allergic? They're all dead. I just single-handedly ended these kids' lives. Um, so <laughs> uh, we get back, and Devin is laughing. He's just out. He's just like, I can't believe that had a wasp nest in it. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> His smile was, oh, it was, it was one of the most beautiful things. You didn't need to add to it. You couldn't have taken away from it. And, um, you know, when I was asked to share, um, I was like, absolutely. Devin is, uh, Devin was worth it. He was worth your time. He was worth getting to know. Um, if you heard him laugh, if you saw his smile, um, you f you felt more. You were more of a person for knowing him. Um, every time I look at Devin, I was like, oh, man, I wish I was that good looking, right? <laughs> um, and even though we were, you know, f we're four or five years apart, and that's not my strong suit, um, I always, I looked up to Devin um, simply because when... He was doing his sports, and he was doing, he was doing life. He was always 100 miles an hour. But when it came to Noah and Carly, it was like he, the only time I ever saw him get on his knees and just grab them, and it was like time didn't matter. Nothing mattered. He'd grab you guys, and like, it breaks my heart that <sighs> he might not be here right now, but you'll see him real soon. Um, and remember, remember his laugh, remember his goodness, because um, he was love. He was a loving person. And uh, Rhonda, Rob, you guys like, did a good job. Did a good job. Um, so, um, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for showing up, guys. And yeah, you guys are awesome. And now we are going to take about uh, 11, 12 minutes to watch a slideshow. Uh,
has put together with uh, some of his music and some of his pictures as we continue to remember his life. Well, 
bring blackbirds down my road He'll be there beside the river When that finally breaks its bones He'll be king among the rushes He'll be master of his home But I heard a red-winged blackbird Red-winged blackbird down my road But I heard a red-winged blackbird Red-winged blackbird down my road Safe as Moses in the rushes, that's home on the river white. Every time I hear them singing, makes me feel like spring inside. But I heard a red-winged blackbird, red-winged blackbird, down my road. But I heard a red-winged blackbird, red-winged blackbird, down my road. Letters learn to spell, mounting books and show and tell. Playtime, we will throw the ball back to class through the hall. Teacher marks our height against the wall. Teacher marks our height against the wall. We don't notice any time pass. We don't notice anything. Side by side in every class. Teacher thinks that I sound funny, but she likes the way you sing. Tonight I'll dream while I'm in bed when silly thoughts go through my head. Bob 
Again, my name is uh, Jesse. I work here at the church uh, with Rhonda, and uh, I've known Devin uh, a long, long time, ever since he was a little boy. I still remember how cute he was as a little ring bearer. Uh, Devin was uh, part of this church as well. He was baptized right there uh, three years ago, and... Um, I've had many lunches with Devin and uh, dinners with Devin and conversations about uh, life with, with Devin. Uh, he spent uh, many nights over, over at our place just hanging out with us as a family and quadding and playing video games and, and other things like that. Um, got to be with Devin when he was checking out his first vehicle. Do you remember his rusty Nissan gas guzzling uh, pickup or uh, SUV there? And it was only five weeks ago that I got to teach Devin how to drive a standard, and uh, he did, uh, did, did very, very well. And like many of you, have been trying to process this, uh, this whole thing. And uh, probably like many of you, I went through uh, the many Facebook conversations I had with Devin, uh, at least that was recorded there. And uh, a lot of times he was just asking for rides, this was before he got his car, uh, asking to borrow things. Um, his most common phrase, it seemed, was, oh, sweet, thank you, Jesse. Um, he was always so uh, appreciative of any kind of help and uh, such a cheery uh, person to be around. Some of the last conversations I had with him were about him trying to uh, siphon fuel out of his previous car that's still sitting in, uh, in my yard. And... Uh, he came over along with my son, James, and they were sticking pipes down the tank, and, and I think they ended up getting more gas in their mouth than actually in the, the container, but they, they did get some. And then my last conversation with Devin was uh, just three days uh, before, before the accident. And uh, his last four words to me were simply, yeah, that could work. And maybe like some of you, your last words with Devin were just kind of words that were you going to pick up the conversation the next day. And probably like all of us here, uh, we didn't get a chance to say goodbye. We didn't get a, a chance to tell Devin how much we loved him and, and cared for him and how much he meant to us. And then on Tuesday, uh, the RCMP uh, spoke to me and then uh, went to the hospital with the family and it was with that uh, began that reality check, the reality of what actually happened. And this is what you might call, as Psalm 23 talks about in the Bible, uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then it says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And and this is where we are today. Uh, Walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, I think all of us would would love it if this were some sort of joke, if this were some sort of prank that Devin was pulling on us and he's going to hop behind the curtain and say, you know, surprise, you know, like one of his jokes, but he never was very good at getting away with anything. And, uh, and this is no joke. Uh, this is not a dream we're going to wake up from tomorrow. This is not a fairy tale. This is us walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and it's really, really hard, and it's painful, and it's difficult. But we're not alone in this valley. I don't know if you've taken a moment to look around, but you need to look around at this room, and out there, and probably out there. All right, about 300 seats in here, I don't know, 100 and more out there, and maybe more that I can't see. We are not walking this valley alone. We have, we have each other. And this is a time where we need to be there for each other. We are not meant to do life on our own. Romans 12 says that we are called to mourn with those who mourn. Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Don't walk this alone. Because you can't do it. We need each other. And if there are grievances between some of you and things that you need to forgive and and talk through, let the grace of God just... Just let that go. Walk in forgiveness. This is a time where we need to be walking together through the valley of the shadow of death together. But this text also tells us that we're not walking in this valley alone. And it's not just us there. Uh, It says that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And then it says this, for you, speaking about God, that God is with us. Uh, God is not some distant God way up there in the middle of nowhere. It says he's walking with us in the valley. He's not up in the mountaintop looking down at us. He is walking with us in the valley. And he is a God who understands. He is a God who understands our pain. Uh, God himself lost his own son. And God who is with us is a God of love. He says, I know how many numbers of hair you have on your head. Psalm 56 says that he actually collects our tears in a bottle. I don't know anybody who loves me that much to know how many hair I have on my head and to actually collect my tears in a bottle. This is how much God loves us. And he is walking with us through 
this valley. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. 2 Corinthians says, God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. Psalm 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. There's a famous poem called Footprints. It says, this one night a man had a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene, he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that at many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him, and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. The Lord replied, My precious, precious child, I love you and, never, and would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Would you allow God to carry you through this time? Deuteronomy says, the everlasting God is a refuge, and underneath you are his eternal arms. There is a God who loves you, and there is a God who wants to hold you and to walk with you through this. Now, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's another thing that happens. Uh, it's a time when we ask questions. Um, I've asked a lot of questions. It is also a time when we actually reflect on our own lives and the fragility of life. I don't know about you, but have you been thinking a little differently this week when you're driving? Man, I've been driving back and forth to Nelson. Every time I see cars come this way, I'm like, life is really fragile. That we need to learn not to take each day for granted. The book of Ecclesiastes says, It is better to go to the house of the mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. The living should take this to heart. I mean, this could have been any one of us here. Wake up in the morning, eat a breakfast. Have a little texting conversation with Calvin. I don't know where you are, Calvin. Have a little texting conversation with mom. Have a little conversation with Rick. Be excited about work. Hop in your car. And 10 minutes later, that's it for your life on earth. 
That could have been any one of us. And so it's important this time that we take this to heart. Are you living the life that you want to be living? Are there relationships that you need to make right? Because we don't know if we have a tomorrow. Is there someone that you need to say, I forgive you? Is there someone that you need just to let bitterness go? This is a time where we need to reflect on life and appreciate every single moment that God gives. Now, thankfully, this valley of the shadow of death is not a never-ending valley. There is beautiful light at the end of this valley through Jesus Christ. And one of the most amazing promises and pictures of this light at the end of this valley is found in Revelation, and I'll finish with this. Now, through Jesus, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is what he says, and this is our hope. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for Devon. God, we thank you for each moment that you have given us with him. We thank you for his smile. We thank you for his laughter. We thank you for how he could cheer just about anybody up and how he could take the most miserable situations and look at the bright side. God, may you teach us to be more like that, to walk in Devin's footsteps in that way. And God, may you give us comfort in this time. God, may you allow us to climb into your arms so that we may receive comfort. So, Father, together we thank you. We thank you for Devin. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is uh, Danielle Corbin. I haven't known the Martins family for that long, but um, I just want to let you guys know how much I love you and just pray that uh, this song can be a blessing to you guys. I wrote this song about four years ago, and it was at a time when my uh, my three stepsons lost a, a close friend. And as I watched them, I just saw they had so many questions. And that's okay. It's okay to have questions at a time like this. And... I truly believe that it's, from what we've heard, it's clear that everyone's life was better because Devin was in it. And we hang on to that, those memories of that hope and that love for him. And then the other hope is that we will see him again. And so this is a song that just shows that journey.
Thank you to uh, Michael Graham for that one. Uh, we are going to open up um, It's time for sharing. And I realize some of you need to catch school buses. Uh, it's at 3 o'clock. So we, when it gets about 10 to 3, we're going to dismiss those who need to go. Uh, but for the sharing time, we just ask that you keep it brief so we can get as many as we can. 
And uh, if you want to share, you can just kind of start lining up along that aisle uh, out there. And then uh, feel free to come up when you're at the front of the row. So anyone want to start? I am uh, Devin's Grandpa Martins. I miss him so much. What I'm going to share with you is the last time me and Devin were together. We uh, we went over to Asoyas, BC, and we met uncle, uh, his uncle Daryl there. There was a time when it was uh, so smoky outside, so many star- fires here. And that evening we sat by the pool and uh, we had uh, Carly and Noah and Rachel with us. And they were swimming out in the swimming pool at the courtyard of the hotel we were staying. And Devin and Daryl and myself, we were sitting by the table visiting. And while we were visiting there, all the smoke cleared, every bit of it. The moon came out. It was the most beautiful evening I've ever seen. And we had just a great visit. It, uh, it's, I think it's the first time I've treated Devin more of a grown-up. The way we talked and everything. And I will never forget. That. There's so, I have more memories of him, but that was the last one I had. And that makes me think of my family and the wrong I've done to them, and I would like to apologize to them. For time is so short. It can be one year, it can be 80 years. So let's not waste it. And Devin, rest in peace. I know you're up there in God's arms. very great with crowds. (laughs) I was Devin's childhood friend, actually. I haven't seen him in a long time, but I remember him as a four-year-old with cooties, (laughs) but he turned out well. Good job. (laughs) And my fondest memory of him was this one time He really hated worms. That's what I remember. And I loved chasing him with worms until he cried and screamed. (laughs) When I was a kid, I was really fond of cats. (laughs) I loved them so much. And one time, me and Devin went to a vending machine when we were about four. We got to pick a little toy with a toonie. And Devin got a cat, and I said, hey, Devin, do you want to trade? And Devin said, no, so I punched him in the face. 
and gave him a very bloody nose. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we actually got married one time. <laughs> when we were four. <laughs> he kept calling me his life instead of his wife. <laughs> we had a whole ceremony and walked down the driveway. <laughs> And then got in our toy car, and Devin kept trying to pump the gas, and I had to push him out of the way and do it for him because he couldn't get it. <laughs> we had lots of fun. He grew into a really beautiful man. <laughs> My heart is here for both of you, all of you, your whole family. Yeah. You really created a beautiful child, and watching that video, that was that was awesome, and it reminded me <laughs> exactly of who he was when he was a child. But it's bright, pulling my hair, <laughs> lots of wrestling. <laughs> He'll always have that light-hearted child spirit in my heart. And I was at such tragedy when I heard this. Actually, my mom and Rhonda and Kelly all have had kids in the same year. We're all the same age. And then 10 years later, they all had a child again. So we're all pretty <laughs> close and growing up. And thank you for being a part of our lives. And to Devin, too. Bless you. My name's Kyle Chernenkoff, and I had the uh, distinct pleasure of graduating with Devin. Um, I guess I'm just up here to reiterate what everybody has already told me. Devin was a very uh, compassionate young man. I only had the chance to know him for a few years, but uh, in those short couple of years, I felt very comfortable with him. Uh, I'd gone through some hard times, and... Uh, even just spending such little time with Devin, I was comfortable enough in opening up to him. And I know that he was there to get me through my battles. And uh, I just wanted to thank him for that. And uh, I want you guys to know that I'm here to help you guys through your battles if, if you need that. And uh, love you, buddy. Grad, grad 2016. Thank you. So we would like to be able to spend another uh, 15 or so minutes sharing uh, stories, but I know some of you have to catch the bus, and so there's an accent there, and there's one there and one back there, so if uh, we could do that at this time and try to make it as quick as possible, and then we'll resume.
All right, Kelvin, who's up next? Hi, everyone. My name is Kelvin, and uh, Devin was a friend. Uh, that day, Devin texted me. But before he did, I did. It has been a while um, for me to chat with Devin like, uh, like I was looking forward to. Tragedy ring the snow bell. And uh, I sent Devin a message. I said, there's a job offer. And uh, it's going to be full time. And this is what it entails. And if you accept, I'll be the one to train you. You'll be taking my position, basically. And he asked me more about it. And I replied. And he said, a couple like minutes later, I came back home for lunch is when I, re I received his reply. It says, if you haven't gotten someone for that position, I'll bring in my resume this afternoon. I went back to work. I was sent to Interfor to do deliveries. While I was driving there, I heard on the news that there was an accident. I didn't know it was the one. Later on, when I drove home, I got a call from church that Devin is gone. My plans for Devin was a request from her mom. A while back, her mom told me to be a friend to Devin and mentor him like I do with the youth, the way I always do it. I go hard on them. And he needs that kind of a love. And he likes you. I tried. I tried with soccer. I tried with other stuff. I tried even going to youth just because he was there. I didn't get those chances that I was looking for with Devin. But this one, I started praying for. The moment he told me he needed a full-time job. And I was going to be with Devin for a whole month as I train him before I leave. I quit my job and get ready to go back to Kenya. And I was just going to pour my heart and life and everything I know about being a good boy to Devin. But I never had that chance. He's gone, and it's true. There's a cry in my heart. I see a lot of youth in here. There's a cry in my heart. That as you heard those stories being shared today, those stories of joy and of that smile, there is one thing for sure that I'm happy for that Devin is gone. I am certainly convinced that the boy is home and he's in heaven. Youth, are you going home when that happens to you?
pray that you are. And if you're not, take that chance. And there would never be a better place to do it than at this church. Because our church is so cool. God bless you all. to say something today because Devin was my teammate and my friend. One of the most important lessons we all learned from playing soccer together for many years was that a te team meant looking out for one another. So today the Bighorns are here to look out for Devin and to make sure his family is okay and to celebrate his life. If there was an award for the most injuries on our soccer team, <laughs> Devin and I would have won. And it's not because we were careless, it's because we love the game so much that we put our hearts and soul on the field every time we played. Devin was one of our fastest runners and a powerhouse on defense, and he even stepped in his goalie when we needed him. And he was one of those players that just did whatever it took to help the team win. And his mom was one of our loudest cheerleaders. <laughs> those years shaped me as a young man, and I knew, know they were important to Devin too. Our coaches and parents... And all the boys bonded together in one big soccer family. We traveled together, won together, and very seldomly lost together. <laughs> but we all belonged. I will cherish those memories with Devin and our team forever. It was very difficult for me to accept that Devin is gone. I saw him the day before the accident, and he seemed happy. So that is how I remember him. He will forever be our number 18. Ron and Scott, if you need anything... Please don't hesitate to ask me or any of the boys. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Alex Bayoff, and uh, Devin and I went to school together for the, uh, the years of grade 11 and 12. And... Um, in his grade 12 year, he was uh, in college, and we didn't see him much until, you know, Fridays when we didn't have school. But whenever he'd come by the school, he was always happy to see everyone, and as we were him, and, um, you know, a few memories I have of him is when we were, build when we were getting ready for graduation, we, uh, we had to build, a, I guess, an arbor for the entryway to the, to the gym. For some reason, myself and uh, James, another guy who couldn't be here today, uh, we decided we'd take the task on uh, with the little carpentry skill we had. Not going to try that again. But uh, <laughs> Devin, Devin came by one Friday and uh, by the shop. He saw we, that we needed some help because we had no idea how to, how to make it stand up stable without toppling over. And, uh, you know, he showed us how to, how to cut the wood at a proper angle and sink the, sink the screws in properly so it looked nice and flush. And we were real thankful for that. And then the last real, you know, good memory I have with him, I, uh, you know, we lost track through the summer with uh, contact just because I was busy at work and he was busy doing his thing. But uh, it was the, the afternoon before our, our postponed graduation. And he had texted me the night before and said, uh, he said, Alex, I need dress shoes. So Devin, 
It's graduation. Everybody has dress shoes. So I can't find them. I don't know where they are. And uh, so he says, yeah, buddy, I'll, I'll come. I'll bring you dress shoes. Don't worry. So it was oh, maybe an hour before we were supposed to be out there. I, I swung by his house. Well, the I guess his grandparents' house at the junction here. And I pulled up, and he wasn't coming outside. So I honked the horn at him. And yeah, he came out, and he was just he was so excited. And... Uh, you know, we were both very excited, and I, something I'm always going to remember is that he always he always had a smile on his face, and he was just uh, you know a good guy to be around. He wasn't often down, and it's it was nice to have him. It, we were th- we were the only two guys in graduation that wore wore light gray suits, and we felt a little out of place, but he sure looked good, and that's that's how I remember him. So Devin, thanks. Thanks for all you gave us and the time we got to spend with you. I just wish we'd uh, we'd spent a bit more time. Thanks. I'm Layla Darius. I went to school with Devin. I'm not much one for public speaking, but for Devin, I can make an exception. Um, I, I didn't know Devin for long. Truthfully, the most I got to know him was through my very dear friend, Anne. Um, Devin was just, from the get-go, he, he was your friend. He was never the, the stranger that you know you thought you knew. He was that guy that was going to make sure, you know, you had a good day, regardless of how he felt. I remember so very clearly when Anne was living in Vancouver at UBC and, and Devin would talk to me and he wasn't seeing anyone. And to Anne and Devin, it was just they weren't going to make that first step. <laughs> they were going to make sure that everyone else knew first how they felt about each other. And so Devin, you know, he would talk to me and he'd say, Layla, you know, I know you're Anne's best friend, but you can't tell her how I feel about her. <laughs> and I said, okay. And Anne wasn't, Anne's not much one for, you know, sharing her secrets. She's more of a private person, which I can respect. And even though she would never say, Layla, I love him, she, she looked at him and I could tell. And I just thought, what are you doing? You're two people that are so, so right for each other. And you could tell because, you know, she was quiet and he was loud. <laughs> you know, she was, she was awkward and he matched that so very perfectly. And even though Devin and I were, you know, we weren't that close, it was such a privilege to be able to spend time with Anne and Devin and, you know, third wheel even though they would tell me, Layla, you're our friend. You're not third wheeling. We're just hanging out. <laughs> it, was, it was just such a privilege to be able to get to know Devin, even though we would butt heads occasionally or often. It, it was such a privilege to get to know him as a person and see how, how big his heart was and how much he cared for every single person he saw. He didn't have to know them personally. He was just 
he was there for you. And that's just, that's something I really wanted to, to put forth and make sure everyone knew because, you know, when you saw them together, it, it kind of made sense. All their crazy quirks and, you know, weird innuendos. And when they were together, everything made sense. I, I always imagined, you know, someday I'd stand up there at their wedding and I'd make a speech. And, and I, I'm very, very heartbroken to think that that day will never come but to know that the times they had together were were so special and so cherished it's all I could ever ask for to see a friend of mine who I care so very dearly you know be happy she smiled when she was with Devin she she opened up and she was this person that you know was so beautiful and Devin saw it every single part of that, even as friends. And I just, I love them very much. And I just, I wanted to share that all with you. considered Devin my best friend and he was definitely a brother to me um, I have so much to thank him for I can't even start to describe it uh, he pulled me out of probably the darkest place I was ever in and showed me that there's so much more to look forward to and enjoy about life and have a good time just the one of the one things that he without a doubt knew how to do was have a good time I'm sure a lot of you guys already know that. He was always, always there for me whenever I needed him. And uh, I just wish I, I could have been there for him one more time. Miss you, bud. No, I'll see you again. My name is Michelle, and uh, I've known the Martins for a long time. We go back to when Dev Devin was just little. And um, watching him grow up, he's just the funniest kid ever. And that never left him, ever. It didn't matter what he was going through, even when he was a turd. He was still such a funny kid. And I had the honor of being one of the youth leaders here and <laughs> Rhonda dragging him and Heather here and making them listen to me and making them hang out with me because 
But you know what? They came and they did because they, Devin had just this, <laughs> he didn't care that I was this old lady, you know, hanging out with a bunch of youth. It didn't bother him. He was just like, he shared his heart and uh, it didn't matter to him. <laughs> him and Heather, <laughs> oh, they had stories, I tell you. And it didn't matter. They were just so open and honest. And there's one thing that sticks out in my heart. And Carly and Noah, oh, he loved you guys so much. And my son and Carly are one day apart. And, and it drives Cody crazy because she's older by one day. One day. But Cody wanted to marry Carly. And I remember... He went to Scott, and he asked if he could marry Carly. And <laughs> Scott said, well, you come from a Christian family. You're a nice boy. I suppose so, but you have to wait till you're 20. And Cody was like, yes! <laughs> but Cody needed to uh, talk to Devin. He needed to ask Devin because he needed Devin to be okay with it. It was so cute. Devin was just like, he sat there, and he listened to Cody like he was so serious. And he just took Cody and he said, you know, if you ever hurt my sister, I'm going to have to hurt you. <laughs> and Cody went, okay, <laughs> right? And then being that they were four at the time, I think they were a little immature at that stage to start a relationship so by the time they were five, Cody was like, it was just was so cute because Cody would come into church and Char Carly would come and fix his shirt and give him a hug. And, and he was just like, what the heck? So he broke up with Carly. <laughs> and Carly cried and she walked onto her daddy's lap and said, Daddy, he broke into my heart. And Devin came and talked to Cody. <laughs> And when Devin came, Cody was like, <laughs> and Devin said, Cody, I understand. You were just not ready. <laughs> and Cody was like, okay. And he said, I'll still always love you, and you'll still always be my little brother. And that's what I remember about Devin. And even... You know, I moved away and I was in Alberta, and every time I come back, it was always a hug, always a smile. It didn't matter what he was going through, didn't matter what was happening, he still had, well, maybe it was compassion for this crazy old lady who just, <laughs> you know, hung out with youth, right? Um, but he never, he, he didn't care about hugging me in front of his friends. He didn't care about saying hi. And he, he even still texted every once in a while in Alberta. I'd get a text from Devin, you know. Uh, it's always an awesome, amazing young man. Yeah, you guys have lost a treasure. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. And you too. You never doubt how much he loved you.
Um, my name is Brandon, and I didn't know Devin for very long. I just, just got to know him when he started the uh, carpentry course at the Selker College. And I'd gone a couple days on my own, and when we went around saying where we were all from, he mentioned he was from Castlegar, and so he asked if I could pick him up in the morning to get a ride out there. And I said, yeah, sure, just let me know where you live. And at the time, I was living just downtown, and he was living out in Robson. So went every morning and picked him up. And even though it was school, and we were going early, and we were tired from being up the night before because we're teenagers, and no one goes to bed early, he was always so ready to go. He had his bag, he had his stuff. And when I started going to the college, I'd been going through a really tough time in my life, and I always needed someone to talk to. And even though I barely knew him, I just would talk the whole way there. And he'd listen, understand, and he helped me through it all. And he, and even at the school, during lunch, we'd hang out, play foosball. And it was he just made it a really good time. And on the days where I messaged him every morning, and was like, hey, um, pick up. And he's like, any day that he said he couldn't make it, it made the ride just not as fun. And it wasn't as nice to have him there. So just as everyone has said, he was really great to everyone he met. I didn't know him for very long, only the six months of the course, but I'll always miss him, and may he rest in peace. I'm shaking. <laughs> um, I met Devin first day of high school, first day of grade eight, um, with my best friend. Uh, his locker was sandwiched right between ours, and so he got to see us very often. Um, he was in the same homeroom class, because E comes right after D, so I saw him every day then. And we actually had almost all of our classes together. Um, favorite was probably Jim. He made it fun. Uh, all the way until grade 10, and then in grade 11 he went to Mount Sentinel. Uh, and then it started again in uh, post-secondary. I got to go to Selkirk with him. I did my electrical while he was doing his carpentry. And, uh, oh boy, did he make that fun. <laughs> that was a great ride. Um, so one day uh, I drove with, uh, we, all, we all carpooled, all of us. Some of us had cars, some didn't, so we all carpooled to school. And, um, one day uh, I was driving, it was my turn to carpool, we were all driving, and uh, Devin didn't have a ride that day, so uh, I picked him up, and uh, it only took a second to pick him up. Um, two cars passed us as I was picking him up, and uh, we continued driving to school. And then um, the car, the first car that passed us, it was a big truck. And um, it actually hit an elk that morning, and the driver was fine. The truck was a mess. Um, but had I not picked up Devin, had Devin not let me know that he needed a ride, and that uh, that elk would have annihilated my little car and uh, everyone that was driving in it. And um, Devin was watching over all of us that day, just holding on and. He brought us and we brought him and we're here because of Devin and I'll always remember him for that and all the memories I have of him. So 
Thank you, Gregory. I make my words so much better. Sorry, this little gurgled. I had no preparation. Didn't think I was going to be talking. But I felt I should say, at the very least, something. I've known Devin for five, six, seven, something in that neighborhood years. Um, the days going to youth with him, there was always me, him, Michael. We'd always make our youth leaders night um, just here. And I remember sort of a centerpiece of our friendship and all my memories of Devin was going to Dutch Harbor, the summer camp out near Proctor. And whether it was retreats with the youth group or KCBC as counselors or campers, there was a lot of good memories. And I think... I think one of my favorite was, there was one time we were counselors there and there was a giant hornet's nest behind all the boys' cabins and we thought, oh, we'll be heroes if we grab the raid and just take the whole thing out. And we, we didn't think that through. I mean, we got there and we, so we walked up to this nest and it's like probably 10 at night, all the kids are asleep and the cabin's 20 feet away. And we're like, all oh, right, and we open up with the raid, and we probably get two seconds of raid, and the thing's empty. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, no, and they're, like, trying to, like, be quiet as we're running away, and, like, you know, like, no. And then we didn't really, since our tent was near the Hornets, we didn't really get to sleep till really late. And then I remember at the next, uh, the next morning, there was a counselor's meeting. They're like, what was all that yelling last night? I was like, yeah. That was us. Um, just, I'm beyond saddened to see that he's, Devin's gone. I mean, such a big part of my life for such a long period of time, and it just takes a lot out of you to sort through all those feelings. I remember when I first heard, I was just reading something about Andrew Dank or something. But that's, I just, I kept reading and I was like, I thought, no, no. And then I was, I tried to keep reading, but I just couldn't. I'd read the same words and I was, just broke down from there. I guess over the last week, I've just come to see him. So happy that he was a part of my life and glad that we can all come together and remember him. there are uh, other memories, I'm sure there are a lot, we would love if you could uh, write them down for the family uh, out in the foyer. Just when you came in, there's a basket, and there's a whole bunch of white cards and pens, and if you just had a word or a thought or a story that you could write down, uh, please uh, do that before we go. Uh, if you haven't signed the guest book, 
Uh, we'd love you to sign that, uh, to get your name on there. Um, we're not done yet because we have uh, refreshments and food available. And so uh, I'm going to ask Dean to come up here. And Dean is just going to lead the family into the library. And then for those of you who are here, if you can just help stack the chairs to the sides. Uh, food tables are going to come out, and the food should maybe take just three, four minutes. And then um, we're going to be hanging out together. So let's stand together. <laughs> 